Let's take out our Bibles now and open up to the book of Romans and chapter 12. This morning we come to our final message on these opening words of Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be genuine. There is no grander theme than the theme of love. And it has been good for us to spend several messages unpacking the nature and practice of Christian love. But having spent lots of time thinking about how we ought to love one another, we now come to the negative aspect of this commandment. It's a warning. Our love for each other must never Be insincere, false, counterfeit. Let love be genuine. Love can be counterfeit. It can be fake and false. Uh, Do you see the word genuine in our verse? Literally in the Greek, the word is not hypocritical. Let love be not hypocritical. The word actually comes from the stage, the world of acting. And the idea is that of wearing a mask. Outwardly, you appear one way, while behind the mask, you're really something else. So what is Paul speaking against here? What's he calling us away from? Well, for one, false words of concern. There is a kind of false love that acts as though it really cares when it really doesn't. Uh, This is the person who says, oh, no, you poor thing, while inwardly thinking, served you right. Glad that happened to you. Uh, This is the, the person that says, oh, let me know if I can do anything to help. While inwardly thinking, I don't have time to deal with you. But so often in our society, people have learned good manners, but these good manners mask true motives. People have learned how to act as if they care when they really don't. And yet, Mount Hermon, God in this passage is calling us to love each other with genuine Love. We are to speak to one another with sincere, honest, heartfelt, genuine words of concern. We are members of one body. What affects one affects us all. And so our concern is to be from the heart. Another form of counterfeit love would be acts of service that do not truly spring from a heart of care. I actually think this is what Paul has most in mind because of the connection with what has just been said in verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul has just been talking about spiritual gifts. The way we use our gifts to serve one another in the church. And yet, apparently in the church of Rome, and certainly in the church of Corinth, where Paul was writing from... There were some Christians who wanted to boast in their spiritual gift. They served to be seen. 
They served because they liked being put in the positions of importance. And there are some people in local churches who volunteer to serve in various ways as an act of self-love rather than service. They want recognition. They want to be praised by others. Sometimes these people might be us. That's counterfeit love in action. Pastors, deacons, do we serve this congregation out of genuine love? Is there sincere concern in our hearts for every member of this body? Is the love of God that we have received from Him burning in us and overflowing onto every member of this church family? Sunday school teachers, why do you spend time studying and preparing your lesson? Why do you teach as you do? Is it because you truly love every person in your class and you long for God to do them good? Ministry leaders, how about you? Nursery workers, each time you keep the nursery, is it, is it more than a duty to you? Do you genuinely rejoice that you're allowing others to participate in the worship service by helping in this way? In other words, are there, is there genuine love behind your acts of service? Throughout the week, in this church family, you all serve each other in so many different ways. There are visits, the shut-ins, and encouraging phone calls and emails, and there's the practice of hospitality. Many of you give generously to this church. Many of you help us out with, with cutting the grass and maintaining the property here. There's so many ways that many of you serve. When I go with other pastors, they always talk about how it seems like 10% of their church does 9% of the work. And yet when I start thinking about our membership role, I see how well, this member serves in this way and that member serves in that way. We really do have a church where almost all the members serve. That's an encouragement to me. I thank God that you do what you do. I want us to abound in service but may it never be motivated by a false love. Do you want to know how to identify counterfeit love in your heart? Let me give you at least three markers that we see in Scripture. Three markers of counterfeit love. First, counterfeit love doesn't like to serve without recognition. Counterfeit love doesn't like to serve without recognition. Even though the people being served still get the benefit, if I don't receive recognition, I don't want to serve. That's counterfeit love. Second, counterfeit love doesn't rejoice when others serve in a way that benefits the body. So maybe you've been a good friend to many in this church and you've been used by God to give good counsel to folks in tough times, and suddenly, you see that God is using someone else in the church to 
provide counsel. Suddenly you find that the, the people in the church are going more to this other person. These people who used to come to you for advice. Can you rejoice in the good that God is doing through a brother or sister? Can you be thankful for the benefits that your brothers and sisters are receiving, even if you're not part of it? Counterfeit love doesn't rejoice when others are serving in ways that benefit the body. I think about Barnabas. Remember, Barnabas was older than Paul. Barnabas had likely been a Christian a good deal longer than Paul. And Barnabas was known for his words. He was known as an encourager. And so in many ways, it should have been Barnabas as the head guy and Paul as his assistant on the missionary journeys. But no, because as Barnabas and Paul ministered together, it quickly became evident to Barnabas that Paul was being particularly used by God to win souls and to encourage new believers Barnabas even actively sought Paul out on one occasion and chose to take a back seat and rejoiced at what he saw God doing through Paul's ministry. Mount Hermon, can we rejoice when others are being helped and cared for by others besides ourselves? Number three, counterfeit love loses sight of God and his mission. Counterfeit love loses sight of God and his mission. So true love, true Christian love, is first and foremost Godward. And we love God's children for his sake. We love our fellow believers because they're now brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow heirs, part of the same body, on the same mission. To serve our Father that we love. This is a mission that we cannot do by ourselves. And our love for one another in a local church is really to be the overflow and expression of our love for God. And our love for the mission that he gave us. Since God is the ultimate aim of our love, it shouldn't matter whether other people see our service or not. Since God is the ultimate aim of our love, we shouldn't care whether we're the one that gets used or God uses someone else to accomplish this purpose. All we care is that we get the undeserved privilege to be a servant in his house. We get to be a helper in his glorious kingdom. We get to be a foot soldier in his great cause. Counterfeit love loses sight of all that. So for the rest of our time this morning, I want to try and answer two questions to apply this command to our souls. Number one, why should you put away counterfeit love? And two, how do you cultivate genuine love? So why should you put away counterfeit love? And how do you cultivate genuine love? So here we go. Why should we put away counterfeit love? I'm going to mention just four reasons out of many. First, we should put away counterfeit love because God's love is not counterfeit. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad that God's love for you is bona fide, genuine, sincere, real? 
When you read God's precious promises to you in Romans 8, God is not speaking tongue in cheek. When your Savior calls you to come to Him, to cast all your cares upon Him, He's not just being good mannered, He's not just being polite. He really cares for you. He really does want to be your comforter, your rock, the one who sustains you. Remember, Paul uses the word agape here. He's talking about that special kind of love, that supernatural, divine, transforming love that only comes from God. He says, let your agape love be genuine. Don't substitute a worldly kind of love in its place. When you read a book like Song of Solomon, you cannot help but feel the love of God for his people, of Jesus for his bride. Christ truly does desire for us to be holy and happy. Christ really is working for our eternal welfare and ultimate joy. He's not merely using us as pawns for some other purpose. Yes, we are part of his plan to glorify the Father, but the plan to glorify the Father is also a plan to bring you into eternal and unfading joy. Maybe you've had people in your life who told you they loved you. They didn't really. Not in a sacrificial way. They didn't love you in an unselfish way. They told you they loved you only because they were using you. They were manipulating you. You were meeting some need in them and, and they were loving you as long as you were meeting that need in them. Well, dear Christian, there is no need in God. He is not loving you in order to get something from you. God is perfect in and of himself and his love for you is absolutely pure in all of its motivation. God's love for you is rooted in his divine nature. He is love, the Trinitarian love experienced between the Father and the Son and the Spirit has been directed upon you, lavished upon you, and it's genuine through and through. This is the love that we're to swim in. This is the love that is to abound in us and that we're to express towards one another. Second, we should put away counterfeit love because it is a tool of the evil one. Counterfeit love is a tool of the evil one. Just as true, sincere, genuine love comes from God, False, dishonest, counterfeit love comes from the evil one. It marks the evil one. It is a tool which Satan uses to do great harm in this world. Think about the false words of concern we hear from the devil in the Bible. That the serpent comes to Eve in the garden. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, your, of the tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, the serpent acts as if he cares more for Eve than God does. 
He suggests to Eve, God has been lying to you. God has not told you the truth, but I have your best interest at heart. Satan didn't tempt Eve with power and force. Satan tempted Eve with false words of seduction. He made it sound like he cared for her. He made it sound like he was looking out for her. But it was false love. And his real intention was to use Eve in his strike against God and God's plans. She was a pawn in Satan's purpose. Remember our study of Daniel and how we watched as the rulers and the satraps of Babylon flattered King Darius. They claimed they wanted to honor their king. They wanted to establish a decree that no one should pray in any other name or to any other God but to King Darius. What they really wanted was to trap one of Darius's favorite servants, the prophet Daniel. But this was false love. False words of adoration. These leaders came to the king claiming that everyone who is anyone wants to honor you in this way. They said, quote, all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed. Oh, king, we all want to honor you in this way. Mount Hermon, let us beware the snare of flattery. It's a kind of false love that Satan loves to use. Proverbs 29, verse 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. In Romans 16, Paul is going to speak of those who cause divisions in Christ's churches. He says, quote, such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So how are people deceived? How are Christians led astray from following Jesus? Through flattery, through false love, through false praise. Don't fall for that, church. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse the kisses of an enemy. Satan loves to use false love in all its forms. Love that consists only in words and not in deeds. That's one of his favorites, right? We should seek to throw off every form of counterfeit love so as not to participate in the devil's dark purposes. And then a third reason that we should put away counterfeit love is because our God actively opposes it. Our God actively opposes it. Yes, God is against false love, but hear what I'm saying. He is actively against it. You have no reason to expect God's blessing in your life. And we have no reason to expect God's blessing on our church. If we are participating in a superficial, fake, hypocritical kind of love. Instead, we should expect his active opposition. We should expect God to thwart our plans. And we should expect God to hinder our activities. And we should expect God to render our worship unhelpful and ineffective. If it is mingled and saturated with false love. 
Churches like this may have 10 members or they may have 10,000 members, but they should not expect anything they do to be of eternal value or lasting worth while counterfeit love abounds in their midst. So Isaiah 29, we find this prophecy about the city of Jerusalem under siege by enemies. Why has God brought this about? Why is Jerusalem under siege? Answer, Isaiah says, hypocritical love, false love. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. This was the reason for his judgment. A love that was being expressed externally, but it wasn't real. It didn't come from the heart. Psalm 101 verse 7 ought to make every one of us tremble. Hear what God says in this verse. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Dear friend, if you are deceitful in your love, if you are false in your love, don't get comfortable here. Don't think that your future is one of being among the people of God because God will cast you out. If your sin goes unrepentant, if it becomes obvious in this place, it becomes an act of love on our part to bring church discipline upon you. Ultimately, if you will not repent, to remove you from the membership of this church. But even if that doesn't happen, your false love will not go unnoticed by God. And it will not go unpunished on the day of judgment. This verse says that you will be revealed as the false person that you are. And that you will not continue under the loving eyes of God. You will be cast away from him. The one who utters lies. The one who lives in deceit. The one who lives in false love. Will be cast away from God. Cast away from his people. Cast away from his blessings. False people go to hell. And only by the grace of God in Jesus can false people be made genuine. True lovers from the heart. Fourth, we should put away counterfeit love because true Christian fellowship cannot be obtained through it. Hear what I'm saying. True Christian fellowship, which we should long for, which we should want to see abound in this place. True Christian fellowship cannot be obtained through counterfeit love. So think about the vision of the New Testament for our life together. We're to be living in harmony with one another. On mission together. We're to be worshiping together, serving together, growing together. We're to encourage one another, confess our sins to one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to give of what God gives us to help one another. The kind of Christian fellowship presented in the pages of the New Testament is deep and it is rich and it is joyful. Frankly, it's the kind of fellowship that every person on planet Earth longs for. It's the kind of relationships that everybody dreams of. It's the kind of fellowship where we weep together and rejoice together. And we're on this adventure of following Christ together. Blessed be the tie that binds. 
our hearts in Christian love. And yet false love can never bring us together in that way. If I love you only outwardly, if I love you with false words and false actions without genuinely caring for you in my heart, we will never have the kind of relationship that we all. Genuine Christian love breaks down walls, it obliterates barriers, it overcomes obstacles. Genuine Christian love unites the hearts of people who otherwise are very different from one another. But we're brought together through one Lord, one faith, in one body. Counterfeit love is powerless to do that. Put bluntly, you will not develop a meaningful friendship The kind where deep conversations and deep experiences can be had if the love is only superficial. You will not be compelled to intercede for one another before God for one another if the love is fake. We will not have concern or courage to admonish one another in a biblically faithful way if our love for one another isn't real. A church of counterfeit love is a shell of a church. It is a false church. Jesus said, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. If you have agape, Christian love for one another. So for all these reasons, church, we need to put false love away. Now, thankfully... I can say I'm not preaching on this because it's an issue that's it's, it's what's next in the text. I just preach what's next in the text. But we need to be mindful of this. None of us are free from this temptation. None of us are free from the easiness of false love. You do know that false love is way more easy than real love. False love is, doesn't cost you. So we must be on our guard. Okay, so now we come to our second question. How do we cultivate genuine love? If genuine love is what we want, how do we cultivate genuine love? God's love for us is genuine love. Genuine love is not a tool of the evil one. It's a mark of God himself. Satan hates genuine love. He is opposed to all that genuine love looks like and is. The gates of hell are overthrown by genuine love. The love of God given to us in Jesus Christ, streaming to others, builds the kingdom. Genuine love brings God's blessing. The divine heart of God is stirred to pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing when he sees his children abounding in genuine love towards one another. Genuine love is what makes true fellowship happen. It's true, genuine love that makes a church a church, uniting followers of Jesus together in the heart, in worship, and in service, and in kindness towards one another. So how do we cultivate genuine love? I tried to be very practical here. We're going to go through these very quickly. Five ways. Here we go. Very practical. Number one, we pray. We pray because we've already seen that genuine Christian love is a supernatural, divine kind of love that can only be given by God himself. You can't work this love up in yourself. You can't create this love in your heart. You can only receive it. 
It must be received. This kind of love is given to us by God through Jesus Christ. It is given to us as we learn to live as Christ's bride, as we learn to live in the love that Jesus has for us. As you rest in Christ, trust Christ, believe the promises of Christ, this love is cultivated inside of you. And this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't control the Holy Spirit and you don't control the Holy Spirit. And so we must pray. We must ask, we must seek, we must knock. If the Spirit does not cause me to see and believe God's love for me, I will remain blind and hardened to it. If God does not cause the Holy Spirit to to cause my heart to be aflow with His love, it will not happen. And so we must fall on our knees and we must pray. And we should pray every day. This prayer, yes, should be a daily prayer. Indeed, an hourly prayer. Father, make me a person of love. Calls me to abound in your love. Make me an agent of your love, a carrier of your love, a conduit of your love. Father, love others through me. Too often we pray for our health or our circumstances while neglecting what is most important. This theme ought to dominate our prayers. Lord, in this trial, help me to love as Jesus loved. Lord, in my anxiety about Monday, help me to love as Jesus loves. Second, let us receive one another as gifts from God. Remember, we've already seen in past messages that no one comes into a local church by accident. God bakes this cake. Each person is brought into a church by the providence of God. It's he who has chosen for us to be here together. And he has put these people into your life on purpose. And God calls you to love and then brings these people into your life to be the objects of your love. Your church family is a gift to you for your sanctification. Your church family is a gift to you both to love you but also to give you a thousand practical opportunities to love them so that you grow in love. See the hand of God behind our local church. See the hand of God behind the people who make up this church. Don't think, I wish the folks at our church were more like this, or I wish the folks at our church were more like that. God has put you in this church for a reason. And the people here have exactly the strengths and the weaknesses they have for the sake of your soul and the work that God is doing in you. Let us embrace one another just as we are. With all of our foibles, with all of our flaws, with all of our sins, with all of our failures. And let us love one another and help one another for Jesus' sake. Number three. Remind yourself often how precious every person in this church is to your Lord Jesus Christ. Remind yourself how precious every person in this church is to your Lord. When you're tempted to disregard or neglect or even despise someone in your church, remember this is a person for whom Christ shed his blood. 
This is a person who on the last day will stand before Jesus blameless and perfect. No more foibles, no more sins. All of that will be washed away. That person will have been washed clean by the blood of Christ and will be dressed in his righteousness. You see your fellow church members today in all of their weaknesses, with all of their problems. But this will not always be the way that you see them. They are in process, just as you, dear Christian, are in process. And the Savior you love counts your brothers and your sisters as precious to him. Christ threatens terrible things to those who would cause his children to stumble. And he promises blessings to those who care for his people. Blessings to those who will even offer them just a cup of cold water. Remember how Jesus loves your fellow members and go and do likewise. Love them because he loves them. Number four. Pursue shared experiences. The idea of Christian fellowship is that we're on the Christian journey together. And when people are on a journey together, part of what unites their hearts is their shared experiences. They're closer together the further along they go in the journey together because they've been through stuff together. They've gone up hills together. They've gone down in the valleys together. They come to that beautiful vista on the journey and they stop and they adore it together. A storm comes and they have to run to get out of the rain together. There are happy moments and there are funny moments. And there are hard moments and there are heart-wrenching moments. But they're on the journey together. And God works through shared experiences to bind people's hearts. By the way, that's why when I do marriage counseling, I often encourage couples to go have adventures together. It's almost always a bad idea when the husband or wife are gone for many days, having new experiences with other people other than their spouse, especially if it's with people of the other sex. It brings problems in a marriage because shared experiences bind hearts together. What strengthens a marriage is when husband and wife get to go on adventures together, experience new things together, see new sights together. They find ways to visit new places or encounter new situations or meet new people together. And God works through those shared experiences to bind the heart of the husband and the wife. Well, guess what? It works the same way in a local church. Are we having shared experiences together? Church. Being here for Sunday morning worship is part of that, but it's only the beginning are you with us as we encounter new passages and have unplanned discussions in our care group meetings? Are you with us in a Sunday school class or as we walk through various parts of the Bible and other small groups? Uh, some months ago, someone told me that they had visited our church, but they wouldn't be back because they just weren't making strong relationships with anybody in our church. And yet over and over again, we had invited this person to Sunday school. We had invited this person to Wednesday night. We invited this person to the evening service. We had invited this person over to our house to eat. And they had refused each and every time. Fellowship doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. 
Fellowship has to be intentional. Bonds of genuine love don't just form on their own. God works through means. And this means us actively and intentionally making plans and setting our schedules so that we will be in each other's lives. We have to put on our family calendars times to be in one another's homes or to have you over to our homes or to go out to dinner together. We ought to be serving together. Talk about that in a minute. I wonder, is there anyone here who is feeling disconnected from others in this church while not intentionally seeking to build the bonds of love? It is not first and foremost the responsibility of others to pursue you. Christ says for you to love him by working to forge these bonds of love with others. You can only control yourself. What are you doing to grow in genuine fellowship and new shared experiences with others in this church body? We have some folks in our church body who excel at this. I am grateful for those in our church who set the example for the rest of us. Uh, They have the gift of hospitality. That gift should be used to stir the rest of us up to go further and love better in this way. And one word of counsel here. Don't surround yourself with only the people in our church who are already the most like you. That's what natural worldly love does. Worldly natural love goes where there's already an affinity, there's already an attraction. People tend to cluster around folks who are the same age, the same season of life, they have the same interests. Christian love goes further. Christian love values relationships across generations. Younger people recognize they need the wisdom of their elders. Older people choose to invest themselves into the lives of those who are younger. Older men mentor younger men. Older women mentor younger women. Mount Hermon, we need fellowship across generations, across seasons of life, across interests and experiences. Finally, or at the end, related to the last point, let us cultivate genuine love by serving God together. Because often the best kind of experiences that bind people together are those where people are working side by side for a common mission. Working together in a common purpose. Working together in a common ministry has a way of growing love. What is it that we have in common here? It is our love for Jesus. Serving Him side by side with one another gives us an opportunity to grow in love for one another through our common love. So when we have days where we go serve at the Baptist Children's Home, or when we have an opportunity to work in the yards of our senior adults, or we're having a day to work in the yard here at church, when we're putting together shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child, When there's an outreach being planned or gift bags being put together for nursing homes, let's all try and jump in. As God gives us the ability, let us make these types of service a priority. Let us serve Jesus together in practical ways, knowing that as we do so, we're not only growing in our love towards him and towards others, we're growing in our love towards one another. We're being bound together by these shared experiences of mission. 
So Mount Hermon, may God cause us to abound in genuine love. Let love be genuine in us and in this place. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.